far back as I can remember, I always wanted to do a gangster episode, so we're, we're doing one. Hello, and welcome to The Screen Test, a show where we take three movies from a certain genre, pit them against each other, and decide which one is best. My name is Jack Howard, and I'm joined, as always, by the chief film critic at The Independent, Clarice Lockery. Hello. I'm joined by one-third of the cyber nerds, Joe Kimwin. What's good? And this week, we have... Kieran Carlin joining us, who is a YouTuber and a big old movie fan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was looking for inspiration for this week's episode and saw that there were some great British gangster movies on Prime Video, including some from the godfather of the genre, Guy Ritchie, like The Gentleman. Not only that, but there's likes of Legend starring Tom Hardy and The Football Factory are available on there as well. But what is the best British gangster movie of all time? That's what we're here to decide. What have you all picked? Clarice, let's start with you. Uh, yes, so I picked a, a movie directed by a Canadian, but it's scripted by a British man and it's set in London uh, and it's also produced by BBC Films and that is Easter Promises, which is just, it's just a great movie. I just love it. Joe, what have you picked? I picked uh, Matthew Vaughan's debut movie um, starring um, Daniel Craig, our future James Bond, uh, Layer Cake. And Kieran, what have you picked? I've picked Guy Ritchie's uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So we've got, I, I think, two, because obviously Matthew Vaughan produced Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Was Guy Ritchie involved in Layer Cake? No. No, he wasn't. Okay. So we've got two, I think, people who, in a way, define the British genre, a gangster genre. And then you've got... David Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, I'll have a go. And he just beat the other two without even trying. Oh, so. fight and talk. Before we get started, though, I want to have a little conversation about British gangster movies in general. How do we feel about them? How do we feel about them compared to the American counterpart gangster movies? You know, you've got The Godfather and Goodfellas and Pulp Fiction. How do British gangster movies compare? What's the similarities? What are the differences? What do you? Which ones do you prefer? I think there's there's a, a ceiling with British gangster films, and I don't. Know if, I think it's because they're British. <laughs> I feel like I can't take them wholly seriously because they just they don't seem to take themselves seriously. Yeah, Eastern Promises does a bit more, I think, but yeah, Lockstock yeah, and Snatch and and uh, and Layer Cake have all got a lot more humour in them than something like for example, The Godfather. But I think that Guy Ritchie, I mean, I don't know if he's ever, ever said this, I'm sure he has, feels like Guy Ritchie's trying to do a Pulp Fiction-y Tarantino type thing with his movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels is just Pulp Fiction, but British, really. And he's you can see him trying to sort of absorb that trend and I guess make it into his own because it's, you know, that was the time where hyperlink cinema, which is this idea of the intertwining narratives, mm -hmm. different characters, but they cross pairs, was made immensely popular because of Quentin Tarantino. So I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think that is my one issue with Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels is that it's always like, oh, this is really trying to be Tarantino, but British. Really trying. <laughs> For me personally, I don't really differentiate between the American gangster movies and the British gangster movies are, I think they're good. I enjoy British gangster movies, but I do I do think that British gangster movies do always try to lean more on a comedy. Yeah, I, I think that the, the you're right, that like British people do tend to take themselves less seriously. I don't know if that's too broad of a statement, but it feels like when they were making these gangster movies, especially like Lockstock, it's like, we're having a laugh. Let's jump into the first round, which is cast. And let's go to you first, Joe, because obviously this is the role that... Would you say it's the role that got Daniel Craig the role of James Bond? Yeah, I'm going to say 100%. Um, there's actually a scene in the movie where he holds the gun up like this. Oh and this is yeah. the cover and goes round for the, Layer Cake. Yeah, yeah, it goes around the corner. Saying, so. yeah. I'm sure the casting director was watching it and being like... Hmm, I did. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was weird seeing him like hesitant to hold a gun. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I love about um, Daniel Craig's character in the movie. And that goes into like one of my favorite scenes later on. But um, his character, not like, he is a gangster by trade, mm. but not a gangster by method, almost. So it's like, he... There's rules he's got that he ends up going around and then breaking later on down the line. But um, I think Daniel Craig's great in it. Also, obviously, it's got Tom Hardy in it, who goes on to be in 
all of the good movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to do your impression, Jack? I feel like we need it. On, okay, here's my impression of Tom Hardy in all movies. Thanks for teeing that up, Jack. Although in this no movie, problem. this is the pre. Yeah, this, this is pre yes. Tom Hardy. Yeah, he's he's baby faced, charming, like. But you can see that there's always something going on behind Tom Hardy's eyes. Yeah. And obviously, I think when this came out, you would have watched Tom Hardy and been like, just some pretty guy in the background. Whereas mm. now, because we know who he is, I watched Layer Kate with a different perspective and was like look at tom hardy doing his best acting in the background all the time it's got such a good cast all of the characters are like really interesting they've all got their own histories that that make you understand how they got to where they're at and why they're working with this team um but i think it, it's all pretty much hinged around daniel craig and the the mission he's on to retire which is something that i guess gangsters aren't supposed to do Daniel Craig is at his best when he is being a character actor. Like some of his best stuff is, you know, when he's putting on a southern accent. Yeah, man. <laughs> Logan Lockheed <laughs> and Knives Out. Right? That's yeah. my favorite Daniel Craig <laughs> yeah. performances. And I, I get the sense that he sometimes feels a little bit, bit uncomfortable where he's just being told to play the cool guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you get a little bit of that in this movie he's still really good and i absolutely get why they cast him as james bond after this but i don't think this is daniel craig like at his peak the mm. peak of his powers i thought <laughs> daniel craig was like the only the only good thing about that film right okay well so, so uh, is this the first time you've seen layer cake before yeah. coming to this podcast yeah, yeah it was the first time first time i've seen layer cake at all i love daniel craig and it was weird going back and knowing him as bond already and then watching that um there, there is a there's a bit in the um I watched someone's review and they showed like the director's commentary after it. And on that um, uh, scene where he's, he's, you know, holding the gun like that, um, they literally say like, oh, he's the next James Bond, um, which is like, yeah, he is. Wow. Um, okay. So they literally, <laughs> before that, were like, look at that. that. He looks like Bond in that. And then he just happened to be Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that Matthew Vaughan, knowing the type of person that Matthew Vaughan kind of is, hasn't just come out and taken all the credit for Daniel Craig being Bond. I've never really seen him say anything about it. Maybe there's no need to because it's just so obvious just in there, the movie. Yeah. It's just so obvious. <laughs> Look what I did. Uh, <laughs> He's but... gonna like hire a bus and just drive out London and be like, beep, beep, dee, 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 dee. it's me, <laughs> I'm responsible. <laughs> and I made Kingsman to sort of go against all the yeah. bonds. Yeah, I the brought you gone. Taron Egerton as well. If he also becomes Bond, yeah, double the praise. <laughs> Kieran, let's go to you next with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So uh, we've got the the main main four friends, Nick Moran, Jason Fleming, uh, Dexter Fletcher, and of course, Jason Statham's first role, breakout role. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I actually don't know. I think it was. I think he I was, was a look diver? Yeah, before he was a, a diver and then like, <laughs> like a part-time model but everyone's a part-time model um, <laughs> um but the cast is more everyone's great there's a lot of people there's no like um standout sort of character that i'm like oh what a, what a bloody great performance um but there's just loads of silly little characters which i love like i love that vinnie jones is in it just uh well when we're talking about breakout roles just just a, a footballer just acting Apparently, Guy Ritchie was always just like, apparently he always thought that Vinnie Jones should be a movie star and that's why he got him to be in the film. And then you've got Sting. Sting's in there, just yeah. as the, the bartender. I forgot that he was there and then he turned up and I was like, is that Sting? <laughs> what the heck is Sting? Not great performance, for? but he's there. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you've got uh, my favourite one, which is uh, Rob Brydon as a traffic warden. I enjoyed that. He's that your favourite, is he? Yeah, he's my favourite in the entirety of that. Just because he's like, oh, it's from... I like watching films, because that film came out three years after I was born. So obviously I didn't watch it when it came out. And then so you go back and you watch it and you just see all these people you already know as like mm. big characters or, or whatever. And they're just in like tiny roles. Especially like Dexter Fletcher, who now has obviously gone on to be uh, the director of um, Rocketman and he picked up a lot of Bohemian Rhapsody as well. So he's like gone on now to be a director in his own right and a bloody good one. I want to first talk about Jason Statham because I think the best thing about Lockstock is him because the first, I mean, it's very Del Boy, the beginning. Mm. Like, I think as soon as you open the film with him, Wheeler Dealing, it f I am immediately charmed by him. Apparently, he used to do that. Like, <laughs> <Why>? So, <laughs> so it's, 
it's sort of acting and also true. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was no one that I actually, because I thought it was great in it, but when I watched it, I'm, I was just more driven by essentially like the, the guns as a character. As they're, as they're just following what's happening with all these, like you, you got the the two um, Liverpudlians, which are massive stereotypes, but they're they're quite funny. They're, they're, I mean, the whole film feels like a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> but it feels like not in between Z, but the fact you got four like friends and you just sort of take the Mickey out of each other and it's just, everything's incredibly tragic. But standout performance wise, I don't think there's. No one particularly caught my eye, even though I'm pushing for this film. But it's broad, <laughs> as a broad thing. I, like I just love everyone in there. Clarice, let's talk about Eastern Promises then and, and sexy Vigo Mortensen. Mortensen? Morgerson? Mortensen. Mortensen. Sexy Vigo Mortensen. I mean, he's so good in this. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> like, I know, I, I feel like, am I going to say something too bold? Is this no, his best it. role? Like, Ooh. Ooh. I'm obsessed with how good he is in this. He, I, he manages to be both gangster and romantic love interest at the same time. This is the thing. It's such a complex character because, you know, Nikolai, he's having to be both someone who has a criminal past, but is also now an informer, but he's also so deep in the mafia that he kind of doesn't understand who he is anymore. And he's having these these feelings of longings toward uh, Naomi Watts' character and also kind of Vincent Cassell's character. And there's just, there's so much going on in that character and the fact that he does it by barely doing anything. Mm-hmm. I think the, the best moments in this film are, are the way he'll just kind of like take his sunglasses off and, and, and Well, it's just David heads. Cronenberg like <laughs> holding on him, leaning on a motorcycle. It's just like, that's just a yeah. romantic image. And I just love the way he's always he's always just crossing his hands in this very like delicate, um, ritualized, like masculine, but also kind of romantic way. Like there's just so much going on in that performance. And honestly, like I I'm so mad that out of the movies where Viggo Mortensen has played a chauffeur, <laughs> this was not the one that got massively recognized at the Oscars. I mean, he got a nomination, but like the fact that Green Book yeah. I'm talking about Green Book. The yeah, fact that Green Book won Best Picture in this, you know, didn't really get anything. What about Vincent Cassell doing a Russian accent as well? Because actually, not bad. I don't know. I'm not Russian, but it didn't put me off. Yeah, I am also not Russian, so I can't be the ultimate judge on this. But from my understanding of reading reviews, the the accents are very good, and they did have like three separate language uh, consultants on set. So there were language consultants for when they were speaking Russian, because also everyone, both Vincent Cassell and Viggo Mortensen, because they're massive polyglots, were just like, we're just going to learn conversational Russian because we're gonna we can do that because we're incredibly smart. <laughs> So uh, they had, yeah, j- both for the, the Russian and also for when they were speaking English in a Russian accent. So they had different people sitting down for every scene, like watching the actors to make sure they got everything right. So from my understanding, very good Russian accents. And what's weird is that I was watching it and being like, is Naomi Watts English? Because she, she is, she but is. she doesn't sound like she's naturally English in this film. She sounds like she's pushing it further. Do, do, I don't know. Do you agree? Yeah, it is kind of weird that she has the weakest accent. It <laughs> is weird. She is. She is British. From she the moved. place that she's playing and she sounds the least authentic. <laughs> yeah, I think she moved to Australia when yep. she was 14 mm-hmm. and from what I've read, she's somebody who picks up accents very quickly. So right. I think she lost her British accent just because normally she has uh, a fairly strong Australian accent. Um, so I think <laughs> it's just it, it's just really weird though because it's like you are playing the nationality you are, <laughs> and <laughs> nobody else in this movie is Russian. <laughs> they're all doing perfect Russian accents. It's very strange. Uh, but one more thing I want to say about Liam yeah. Monson, which I I think he's such a good example of how to be a good method actor mm-hmm. because I'm so sick of these stories of actors, you know, Jared sending, Leto. yeah, I was going to say sending like weird gifts to, to mm. cast mates. And yeah, it's not, that's not acting. That's yeah. just, that's inappropriate. 
And what Viggo Mortensen did for this movie is that, you know, he went to rush into the Ural region, which is where his character is from. He spoke to people, he watched movies, he read books, he he researched sex trafficking, like he he did all that kind of work. And he also he does this for every role. He he collects trinkets, which I find fascinating. So he came back from Russia with these worry beads that were made out of um made in prison out of melted down cigarette lighters and so he'd bring and he had all these russian icons that he'd put in his trailer and naomi watts was saying that he turned up to set and like give her little bits of russian chocolate which i think is really sweet yeah it sort of just <laughs> solidifies even more like their little fairy tale relationship that they have with each other yeah so he was finding all these ways to connect to the character that weren't <laughs> Like he wasn't having to manufacture the violent aspect of the character because he's just a good actor. He doesn't have to do something weird to try and bring that out of himself. I the just research. went out one day and just beat up someone because hey, I'm just getting into character. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He was like, no, I'm going to be like a good method actor and I'm going to do the research so I understand the world in which my character inhabits so I can understand how he thinks without having to actually drive myself insane, like trying to... To replicate this character's psyche so just props props well, to Viggo Mortensen I'm gonna end the round there we know we know exactly where this is going the the uh Clarice has got top points and I'm gonna give her a bonus point because that was a hell of a fun fact behind the scenes story I'm gonna give two points uh to Leia Cake and Joe because James Bond James Bond beginning of James Bond and then Kieran I'm gonna give you one point because by your own admission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was no planning it. I'm like, if, I, if I can win the next two, I'm all right. So at the end of the first one. So at the end of that round, Eastern Promises has four points, Layer Cake has two points, and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels has one point. All right, the second one we're going to go on to is Memorable Scene. So this is an opportunity, or Scenes. This is an opportunity to talk about specific moments in the film that would stand out for you and why. And Kieran, we'll come to you first because this is your chance to sort of win back the final meeting when everyone's all the miscommunication and it all just comes together and people are shooting at people that no one knows who's who and it's the including perfect, the audience the per yeah the perfect combination of of just everything coming to a point and then you've got the uh, the initial robbers waiting for them to come back and then um you've got the drug dealer and uh, his cronies going then they have a fight. And then at the same time, you've got the two uh, Scouse guys going to attack the older bloke. And it's this whole thing. And then they come at the end and they're just like, it's absolutely trash. This sounds like the way that Guy Ritchie pitched the film. Like, <laughs> got these guys, no one knows who they are. I got that person. <laughs> the and then they're all going to, and someone's going to get shot and there's some drugs and, <laughs> and then the end of the film. There's, there's, so, there's always so many characters in these films. I just focus on like, what's happening? And I, I just never learn a name. <laughs> I can't, like, like when it got to and the Jason end of- Jason Statham is there. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that's Jason Statham. Um, <laughs> when it got to the end of Layer Cake, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't know his name. Because I didn't know anyone's names. That's because he's trying to get out, and just the point. Like, you don't need to know his name. It's just Daniel Craig. There's, like a, there's a really nice moment in Layer Cake as well, where he's on the phone and it, somebody asks him his name, and very, very quickly, unless you for a frame, he looks at the camera, like just breaks the fourth wall for that <laughs> one moment. And I thought that was a really nice. <laughs> I, I thought you were about to say he was going to whisper, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. You've also got. I love it. It's a short scene, but um, when he's standing on the guy, because I've just never seen it before, he's standing on the guy's belly playing golf. Yeah, yeah. At someone hanging upside down. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. I also, I really like the um, the scene where he's, there's just somebody trying to buy something at some point. I think they're just trying to, and you know, he's like, do speakers come with it or whatever? And they're haggling over the price. Yeah. And he just gets out a big wad of money. And then both of them at the same time just go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then the other one goes, what do you do in your spare time? Um, finance revolutions. <laughs> that scene really like made me laugh. That that's the thing I think that Guy Ritchie does really well is like individual like funny scenes where yeah. like characters are just bantering with each other. I like the. I think my favorite bit because it's a good example of how the hyperlink cinema works is when they walk past the guy who's on fire when they're going into yep. the Simone pub and you're like, that's weird. <laughs> and then you have to wait about 20 minutes to get the story of why that yeah. dude was on fire. Like, yep. I really like that little detail. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. that very Pulp Fiction-y sort of like, ah. Mm. Yeah. 
That scene, that scene's great as well. I do like that scene. Uh, I like the ending. Just the whole, he's on a bridge, the guns, the phone's in the mouth and it's ringing and it's just like, it's what just, happens? It's, you know it's just consistently tragic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do also feel like the, that one of the strongest parts of the movie, the going back and forth, diving between here and there, is also like one of the weak parts at times. Like sometimes it's just like yep. hard to follow. Like, yep. like what is actually going on? Yep. Um, but yeah, so I agree, man. I, I think that that's where you know Guy Ritchie and his first film gets lost under clearly Tarantino's stronger ability to tell a story. So when in in Pulp Fiction, which is you know the one that we're just constantly going to compare it to, where the story is that hyperlink cinema thing, where the story is purposely out of order, but in Pulp Fiction, the narrative already always has you and you always know the stakes and what's going on and who people are and what they want. Whereas in, I think, Lockstock, it feels a little bit rougher around the edges. Yeah, I think he does a better job in, in Snatch of, um, of lining it up. But I'm, I just feel like it's the whole Matthew Vaughan thing, being part of that project that kind of mm. gets Guy Ritchie getting it right with that. Because I feel like after Matthew Vaughan moves on and starts doing layer cake and stuff and uh, Guy Ritchie continues, those movies maybe aren't as great as the ones that yeah. Matthew Vaughan was on the project with. And I feel like that's maybe something Michael Vaughan, I don't know, I've not spoke to him, but when we get on the phone later, I'll ask him um, if that's why he went on to like, just go and do Layer Cake and that was his first movie because he's seeing this process and being like, I can definitely do this and, and do it better, which there's, I there's, think he does in Layer Cake. There's things in Lockstock, like at the beginning, the sequences that sort of, um, lead on to each other visually like you know it's quite student filmy stuff but like door closes it goes dark somebody opens a pot we're inside the pot it is still visually interesting that like he's connecting these scenes together and Matthew Vaughan absolutely loves a transition he yeah. loves going from one scene to another and blurring between the two and, and going behind a wall or whatever he does it as often as he can in layer cake yeah i mean and this is going to go into my favorite scenes uh, i love the opening scene of the movie and i really like that scene um i like you know what i don't like though in that i do i agree with ahead. you i like that though. the font Ugh. like design wise i was just like like the bit when he closes the door and it just says layer cake in just aerial font. I was just like, with an out with a black outline. I was like, Matthew, what are you doing? It is weird. It's weird. And then there's like a bit when like, cause it starts, what's the opening track? I can't remember how it goes, but like there's a bit when like the track hits, like the needle drop moment and it doesn't have a title. And I was like, Matthew, there, there it, there's where your title should be. And obviously he does, he learns from then on. Debut. Yeah, you're right, yeah, little mistakes. I'll give it to you. Also, I like the facts of life um, at the end with Michael um, Gambin, where he's explaining to Daniel Craig that, listen, you're just gonna be like me. You're gonna be having this conversation with someone Mm -hmm. else. And through the movie, we've seen Daniel Craig go from the guy with the plan to, and not wanting guns to, now I've got guns, now I'm having to kill someone. Um, And even though they get the drugs at the end, like, Daniel Craig is becoming the guy that he's saying that he didn't want to become. So mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, and then just to throw in there, um, Daniel Craig killing Mickey, because I feel like it's a real pivotal moment for his character at the time that he's got to do something that he says he hates to do or he didn't want to do and use a gun. Okay. So. I, what I found uh, uh, weird about when when he kills uh, uh, Mickey, the first guy he kills, he builds it up and he's all hesitant and then he goes home and then like he's drinking and then it's, he's getting flashbacks and whatever. He seems stressed out for like one night. Yeah. And then after that, he's like, I will kill anyone. <laughs> Listen, <clears throat> once you take this step, you're in. Do you, Do you know, know what, what it is as well? It's no the fact that Mickey's just that. out at night having a little swim and gardening <laughs> middle of the frigging night. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why? It's like somebody's got dementia. It's like, you should be in bed, mate. What are you doing? Listen, Why are you if out? If you was an East End gangster with all that money and all that land, maybe you'd be doing the same thing, Jack. Yeah, I can't say. Uh, but the bit that stands out to me, it was like, because I hadn't seen Layer Cake for a few years, but the bit I remembered was the fact that there was somebody who got an iron just left on them. Ooh, like, yeah. ugh, what an image that is. They do that in quite a few things. I think they've got a scene in Top Boy where they do that as well. So oh, I hate it. Horrible. All right, Clarice. Let's talk about, I'm assuming we're talking about naked fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> Russian bath scene. It's so good. It is phenomenally put together. And like, 
I know a lot of people talked about the fact that he was butt naked for it, and that's kind of like the star attraction of that scene. <laughs> but superficially, you know, superficially, it gets you but, in. <laughs> but like, it's actually really genius because this is a movie like all of David Cronenberg's movies are about like body and identity and how our bodies create our identity and vice versa. And so you have this guy who's like entire identity is on his body with all these tattoos. He's got the, the Russian uh, uh, criminal tattoos, mm, prison tattoos, stars. and they tell his story. They tell his history. Um, and so you you have him, you know, fully kind of exposed in a vulnerable position and these guys come in with knives. And I love that David Cronenberg said he he wanted to just use like linoleum vines or like carpet knives because he imagined that these guys, like when they left, they could just be walking around and they wouldn't get arrested because they'd be like, hey, we just carpet. Right, right, <laughs> We're right. just carpet guys. <laughs> um so he kind of had fully thought this scene out. And, and so they come in and by by cutting him and you see it so graphically, like that's the thing of him being naked. It's not cuts through his shirt. It's like you're fully seeing the wound appearing and the blood pouring out. It's like they're trying to rewrite his identity, which is something that Cronenberg said, which I find really interesting. Like it's not just like an attempted assassination. It's people coming in trying to to reshape who this guy is. And I find that so, do you so think interesting. That they're aiming for uh, for specific marks on the body. No. Or, or it's just it's just the act of it in, in itself is a re is a rewriting of the person's history. Yeah, it's more that like it's because the whole movie is about this idea. It's the the Vori V Zaconi. This is the the Russian mafia, and they are a real organization that uh, stretches back to the Gulag. That's where they they formed, and they do have these like incredibly strict laws and these traditions and this sense of propriety. And I think you see that the whole way through the movie in terms of how people interact with each other. So everything is kind of ritualized. So I think that's why it's like, that's why it's in this this Turkish bath where he's naked and exposed with the tattoos because it's all it's all symbolic. Everything's like symbolic all mm -hmm. the time in this movie. And, and then just even on cool. a, um, just a, I guess, I guess a more superficial level in terms of the way, what that scene serves for, for an audience is that it's really visceral and violent and it goes further than you think it will in a, in in when your protagonist is in jeopardy like that like there's times in that scene when i genuinely thought he might not this this film might kill him it might he might die and it might do that and it doesn't but there are times when i fully believe that he was like in real trouble yeah, and the way that he dispatches the other guys is like really gruesome. Once yeah. in the back of the neck and the others through the, eyeball. the eye. And that's the thing when you're getting David, what I love about David Cronenberg doing a crime movie, it's like he's not holding back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he is making it as gory as possible. And so when someone gets their neck slit, you yeah, see I mean, it. The of the you scene, fully I think see the opening it. of the film sort of just sets it up for this is what we're doing. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Joe, to a you... David Cronenberg crime movie. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Did Joe, you seem to be disagreeing or yeah, have some different uh, feelings on this? No, yeah, it's interesting. No, I really like the fight scene, first of all. Like, mm. I feel like it's a super legit scene. But I just, I didn't feel like when you said that you felt that he might die, I didn't feel like that for one second. And I feel like throughout the movie, and this is probably my only issue with it, is that I feel like there's so many things in it that are predictable. You know, the sun being every son of a gangster is is just a you know what i'm saying he's nuts is a fuck up shit yeah. me so <laughs> there's that and then the driver becoming the boss and being an informant i felt like all of these these moments were predictable and i feel like that kind of took it i just i feel like i could just see them coming in the mm. movie so it was taking me out of it a bit it's interesting as well because i actually found that the story was hokey in like in a way of like, it's really huge. And the idea that is like, there's an informant and there's a betrayal and he's falling in love. And like, they're all like big twists that happen in the film. But because of the way that Cronenberg handles it with like a delicate hand, it feels less soap opery than it would in somebody else's, you know, possession. 
I think that's the thing. Like, I, it's interesting. I think with this genre, it is really hard to do a totally original story because mm. there's like five things you do. You do the drug deal gone wrong. <laughs> you do the informant. You do, and you know, I think all three of these movies, they do follow a certain pattern. You kind of know, okay, this deal's gonna go wrong, but this person's gonna get out of it okay. Because actually, Eastern Promises and Layer Cake have got the same story of like man. Uh, who who is somewhere else in in the packing order ends up on top at the end exactly yeah I mean, and i think it's daniel it's, craig ends up dead so yeah yeah true they end up with different, <laughs> that's not on top yeah but he ends up in the king's chair and then gets assassinated but you know what i mean like they're both stories about the man rising up through the ranks like they're both the same basic you know they have different endings but they have the same journey for the protagonists yeah and i, I think the greatness of Eastern Promises is more in, it's like more in the details about the characters, about the the interactions between all these men and and women as well. Like, I think that's, that's what's really cool about it is he's able to take this quite generic story and make it something like completely different. Yeah, like, I like the fact that he like sets up the stakes really clearly and he's not trying to think of a clever way of doing it. He's just like, there is a baby and she cares about the baby. And we all, if we have empathy, care about the baby being okay. And we don't want the big scary man to kill the little innocent baby. And that is like, I'm like, I care. I, that's, that's all I need in this 90 minute ride to just know that there are people who care about all the things that might get taken away from them. And the fact that there are big twists that like, you thought it was his baby, but actually it was his baby. Like this twist like that that happened that would be in a soap opera. But like I said before, because David Cronenberg is not treating it like, wow, big twist, because he's just letting it unfold. It feels so much more natural than it would yeah. in another one. It's with super casual, the way that they reveal he's an informant. He's just yeah. outside just of the hospital yeah. being like, yes, yeah, so you're me an gasp. informant. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I, 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 on Joe, I, I'm I mean, interested I, that you saw it coming because I really didn't. I felt like they give that away when they don't show him kill the uncle. Like... When he, I just thought he had a good. I thought he was a gangster yeah, with a heart of gold. Nice guy. <laughs> nah. Yeah, because I don't. He doesn't kill the uncle because because he's perfectly willing to kill other people while being an informant. He doesn't kill the uncle because he out of yeah love and, and tenderness for Naomi Watts's character. I just didn't see it like that. I just I've just when the scene happened, I was just like, yeah, uncle's not dead. This probably means he's working with the police because there'd be no other reason. You're saying he was in love, but I didn't even feel like the whole relationship between him and Naomi Watts. Like, I don't think there's always need for there to be that relationship. Like, if they, I think they kiss at the end, right, or something. Like, mm. I, I could have done without that scene and just been like, we have but an understanding so like, that we was uh, fighting for the same thing. Because it's a love triangle, that's the thing. The actual center of the story is the love triangle between, between him, Anna, the, the, the son. son, and Nikolai. Like, I think, that's a really, that is kind of a kind of new subversive part of it is that there's like queer romance within this movie. But couldn't this they still it, have that without them to explicitly getting together? Do you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like the kiss solidifies anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Those no, emotions are still yeah. there. It's not really like a traditional romance. I think the kiss is, it's, it's not like a, I love you, let's get together. I think it's more of a, a show of tenderness of like, I'm, I'm not really this guy that I that we thought I was at the beginning of the movie. It's more just it's like one little moment. I don't think then they they separate and they never see each other again. And is the relationship between um, Vincent Cassell and um, Viggo Mortensen something you would want to touch on later, or are you happy for me to bring it up now? Yeah, let's do it. So Vincent Cassell earlier in the film forces Viggo Mortensen to have sex with a hooker so that he knows he's not gay. And then there's just this constant sort of under, un, yeah, there's this, this thing underlying all of it that Vincent Cassell is gay, 100%, right? Yeah, this hundred percent is. Is there a reveal that he is? Yeah. Well, there's no, there's no explicit reveal, but that scene where he's having sex with the woman, like Vincent Cassell is in the doorway watching. Yeah. Because he's trying to imagine himself in her yeah, position. Yeah, that's that's what I got as well, and I, that was, I think, the one thing in the movie that. And maybe it's just because it's older now. It was made in 2007, I believe. But it felt like a, a bit of a stereotype in, or a cliche in film that I'm kind of a little bit tired of that the massively homophobic person turns out to be gay. Yeah. Like, that's like a cliche that I'm a little bit like, okay, 
Like it's it's, yeah. it's just a bit tired now, I think. But again, I'm judging it with 2021 eyes and it's 2007 when it was made. And it's not even as explicit as, and as, and as not offensive, but like, it's not as, um, I don't know, like ugh, as some other films have been. And also, I don't even think that it's he's homophobic. I think he's just terrified. Mm. I think it's dad's homophobic mm -hmm. and like his whole culture that he's grown up, that this Russian mafia culture that he's grown up with is massively homophobic. I think he's just absolutely petrified at anyone finding out. Yeah. And so that's why he's he's constantly projecting when someone accuses him of being gay. He mm -hmm. says, like, we got to kill that guy. You know, when he feels this connection with Nikolai. He's like, right, have sex with this woman to prove that we're not in love, you know? Uh, I, I, yeah, I get, I get what you mean, but I also think it makes sense for, for that character and what's going on in that story. Yeah, yeah, I think I, you're right. I agree with Clarice 100% on that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just feel like it was just almost a defense mechanism because any kind of reveal that came to light probably would have been the end of him. So he was just trying to cover it up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think it's just, I think when I come outside of it and look at it in more of an abstract way, like the idea that there's going to be a homophobic quote unquote character who is gay. I'm just like, it's just, it's just one of those ones that now whenever I see it, it's a little bit of an eye roll from me, but you're right. The context in which it exists in matters. Okay, so at the end of that round, I'm going to give top points to Eastern Promises because you can't beat that naked bathroom scene. Beth, fight. Beth, I've seen Viggo Mortensen from every angle. <laughs> and I'm pleased. Oh, I, just I just remembered there is someone in that film who's in layer cake. Go on. So we can. Uh, I can't so there's a link name. between all of them. He's one of the people attacking him when he's naked. Right, okay. Uh, the so guy he's gets in stabbed in the cake. eye. He's in layer cake. A small I'll give one, you a bonus point for that. Thank you. It was very vague. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, I had his name earlier. I wrote it down. I can't <laughs> he had a fight with uh, Vinnie Jones in like 2010. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a little bonus point for that. Um, so yeah, you can't beat that uh, that bathroom fight. I'm going to give two points to Layer Cake and one point to Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. So at the end of that round, Eastern Promise is still in the lead with seven points, Layer Cake with four points and Lockstock with three points. And now we're getting on to the final round that I have any say in, which is cultural impact. And Kieran, I'm going to start with you because it feels like, I mean, it's the start of Guy Ritchie. It's the start of Matthew Vaughan. It was the start of Jason Statham. It's the start of Vinnie Jones. Take it away. It's well, literally what you've just said there. Oh, well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> without, Moving without, on then. Without this film, do you have layer cake? And most importantly, Jason Statham, without this film, would, would we ever have crank high voltage? That's fair. We wouldn't. <laughs> That is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Would we have got the Aladdin remake? That is a negative. It's <laughs> <laughs> a removing points point. Did we need that? <laughs> it was the first, um, in my head, when someone says British gangster film, if someone says like, what British gangster film should I watch? Mm. I'll say this, because in my head, this is what a British gangster film is. Like I watched, I watched Legend. I was trying to figure out what my favorite one was. And I watched, I watched Legend because I'm like, okay, let's be a bit more serious. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just didn't feel, it just didn't feel like a British gangster film. Like it was, but it just, to me, it's just, it has to be a comedy. And is there I, something about the tone in which that Guy Ritchie handles his movies that to you just makes it feel like this is, this is British gangster, the, the, you know, encapsulated as a tone. Yeah. It just, it feels, it feels oddly relatable. Just not that I'm a gangster. Um, <laughs> for that the of this. Um, but yeah, it's the four friends. I take the mic out my mates, take the mic out me, and we're all relatively tragic. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's the Tarantino thing, isn't it? He's just taken high concept movie character idea mm. and brought it down to they're having a conversation about, you know, in Pulp Fiction, McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're having just general chit chat rather than always talking about movie gangster stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just, I don't think there was a great deal of British gangster films especially not like that before that came out and then after that you've you've got quite a lot and then they become a bit like i feel like once you've seen one you've seen all of them and that mm. was the first one yeah well <laughs> i think the guy richie sort of had especially because what is this 98 yeah yeah Lockstock. Yeah. like it, guy richie as a director had a really fresh young perspective that now has become like he, he kind of changed some 
film language because there were some things that were only done in music videos and commercials, like, for example, speed ramping, like going mm. from like super slow to then super quick that has now become quite standard in, in some of the films that we see that wasn't really being done outside of, again, more abstract things like commercials and music videos that he was like, I'm going to put that in a movie. And I think that that should be kind of celebrated as well, that he was brave enough to be like, why can't we do that sort of stuff? And even bringing back, this is more snatch, but bringing back freeze framey things for the introduction of characters and things like that. Like his directing style has become watered down now, in my opinion, like the guy who made Lockstock made the Aladdin remake. Doesn't They don't look like the same director at all. But with this, you can really see how, is it, how excited he is about making movies and how he wants to just try lots of different things. It makes me feel like every other film which is a British gangster film, if it's funny, have just have just taken from that. Mm. Like It definitely inspired a whole slew of imitators. I do think Matthew Vaughan coming out of that has done some really good things. Obviously, um, there's Layer Cake. He did then go on to do Kick-Ass, the Kingsman series, and he's involved with X-Men. Um, and I feel like he's 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 gone on and done stuff that outside of that genre and it's still good, it's still at that high level and maybe is coming back to it with a mix of the superhero kind of stuff with the like British, obviously Kingsman's got like Americans in it now and they're making it more global. But I feel like that is him just being going full circle with the whole thing. Daniel Craig's James Bond doesn't happen without this. So if you enjoy the James Bond movies, <laughs> lay a cake, regardless of whether you and love the uh, movie And Q as well. Yes, ben yeah, Ben Whishaw's yeah. in it, yeah. So there's that, and then we've got obviously Tom Hardy. This is one of his, I think, first, I think he's in like the first three movies he does or something mm. like that. Maybe it's his second movie. And then obviously we see how big of an actor he's gone to be um, from here. So I just feel like Matthew Vaughan saw these things in these, in these actors way ahead of time and now they've had huge careers, so. I think that Matthew Vaughan, before he did the Kingsman sequel, I would have called him like one of my absolute favorite filmmakers because Kick-Ass, when I saw that, I think that shaped my entire stylistic view of how I want, as a filmmaker, wanted to create films, especially because he, that was such a passion project for him, kick-ass, that he didn't get funding for and just decided to make himself, because he can, because he's Matthew Vaughan and he's best mates with Brad Pitt and all the rest of married to Claudia Schiffer. You know, you can do that when you're at that level. But then he, you can see his visual style in Layer Cake go into those other movies and, and how it sharpens up. You can see him become a better filmmaker. And personally, I think that his career... Hasn't eclipsed Guy Ritchie's. Like Guy Ritchie's clearly an incredibly successful director, but I think that Matthew Vaughan is definitely a better director, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Guy Ritchie's best movies are the ones he made with Matthew Vaughan, and I mm. feel like that then, for me, takes away from the cultural impact of Lockstock because I was like, because you're not there, you don't know how much... Well, who was one and yeah, who was the who, other? Yeah, and then for to come out after that and then have a career that we're saying is now better directing than, than um, Guy Ritchie's. To me, that informs that Matthew mm. Vaughan had way more to do in, in that success of that project. Clarice, what is the cultural impact of Eastern Promises? It feels, it feels like this is the hardest category for you to argue for, because it's a movie I didn't really even know existed, to be honest, until we were going to talk about it here. It sort of passed me by. Yeah, it's a little bit harder because it, it sort of arrives as a package with the other David Cronenberg, Viggo Mortensen films, because uh, he did this history of violence before and then a dangerous method after, which are all great. And now he's doing a new one, Crimes of the Future, that's shooting in Greece this summer, which is very exciting. Uh, I think, like, it's interesting. In, in the review uh, that Roger Ebert wrote for this film, he talked about that fight scene. He said, this fight scene is going to be as influential for fight scenes as uh, the French connection was for car chases. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's quite come true, <laughs> but I think you can see like little elements of it. I was thinking about John Wick. I mean, that's based entirely in the Russian mafia, the sort of ritualism of, of the Russian mafia. He's got the tattoos, he's Baba Yaga. It's like, <laughs> I, I think like, 
there is a little bit of a, a crossover there. Like I, I was trying to look and I don't think they consciously took inspiration from it, but it seems like they probably watched it at some point and it embedded in their minds. But yeah, I've, <laughs> it's a little bit of a struggle this one because it's just like David Cronenberg has made so many iconic films and yeah. it's hard to be like Easter Promises, that's the most famous one. Mm -hmm. It obviously isn't. Yeah, but I, I, I do agree that, that when I saw that fight scene, not to just talk about that over and over again, it felt like one of the best James Bond fights I hadn't seen. Like it felt like that could have, if, if James Bond could be that brutal, that's what I feel like I would, you know, if Daniel Craig was in that role, it doesn't feel too dissimilar to, you know, one of the brutal fights he ends up having in Casino Royale. And I know that Casino Royale was the year before this. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like I wish that quote had come true, I think that, the fight scenes could be allowed to be as brutal as that, but you know, not everything can yeah. shove a knife into someone's eye. Also, like, <laughs> not everyone's as committed as Viggo Mortensen. Like, yes. he, apparently, he got like a shit ton of bruises on set, and he didn't tell anybody. And mm. David Cronenberg just noticed it was like, "You're covered in bruises, Viggo. <laughs> like, why are you not telling anybody? Because you're just... bleeding to death, Viggo. It's what the character would do. <laughs> exactly. It's like that thing in Lord of the Rings where he broke his foot and he just yeah. kept going. Like yeah. he just hurts himself and he just doesn't <laughs> say anything. It's uh, so, because I think a big part of why that scene is so spectacular is, is his like complete and utter commitment to like I'm gonna do this scene and I'm gonna do it properly mm -hmm. and, and I just don't think many other actors have that same level of commitment at the end of that round then I'm going to can, can I just yeah you can add that, one line as the um, final thing I just don't think that Eastern Promises is a British gangster movie due to the fact it stars no British gangsters but I just wanted that for the tape <laughs> as in like the cast like there's no British, like, the, the gangsters in it are Russian. Yeah, like, but they're no, set in London. No, they're set yeah. in London. No, 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 I'm, I'm aware they're of that. But they're I, Russian just, immigrants. I just wanted to put they're it British. in there. They are British. I just I mean, we didn't see any passports <laughs> in the movie, so. <laughs> this is getting Brexity very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to take points away from did, him, Clarice? I feel, I feel like everyone who needs to promise us have to fill out that form. <laughs> have they got the blue the passports? UK. Yeah, to get the, the beautiful blue passports. I'm going to show my bias because... I'm going to give top marks to Joe and Leia Cake because I think that the career of Matthew Vaughan, I think that... If I was going to speculate, I would say that his influence over those early Lock, Stock and Snatch and things like that probably had a greater influence than Guy Ritchie. I could be wrong. It's probably the combination of the two. I know what partnerships are like and things happen in a partnership where you have to compromise and then you get a better result, which is why we ended up getting the bad Kingsman sequel. But I think that that has had a greater influence over the rest of cinema. Matthew Vaughan has yeah introduced james bond and kingsman even was like one of those things where it changed how people were looking at almost like parody films anyway i'll stop going on for it about it three points to joe and to layer cake i'm going to give two points to Lockstock and two smoking barrels because yeah the introduction of so many actors and an entire genre defining sort of uh, movie and then a singular point to eastern promises because i think i don't think it was your round and you've got top marks for the rest of it so don't feel too bad that is absolutely fair <laughs> it's just like another cronenberg movie but all his movies are ace so. yes and at the end of that round eastern promises has eight points layer cake has seven points and Lockstock has five points and now we go into the absolute final round where I have no say, so it's my least favorite round. It's the IMDb rating. So where do you feel like you're going to end up on this? I think this is a really interesting one to try and predict. I'm going to be really confident and say Eastern Promises at the top because okay. nobody dislikes that movie, right? I'm going to go with uh, Eastern Promises being at the top, Layer Cake being at the bottom. Kieran, what do you think? Uh, I feel the same. I think I agree with, with Joe. So we all think that Eastern Promises is going to be at the top. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's do Eastern Promises and see what point we have to beat. Alexa, tell me the IMDb rating for Eastern Promises. Eastern Promises has an IMDb rating of 7.6 out of 10. Okay. So 7.6 to beat. Is that as high as you were expecting? Were you expecting higher? I thought it would be higher. Mm. I thought it would be higher as well. Okay. Alexa. Tell me the IMDb rating for Layer Cake. 
Layer Cake has an IMDb rating of 7.3 out of 10. 7.3. So still 7.6 to beat. Do maybe, you think... Maybe Lockstock's the top Lockstock one. has got a chance? I do, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that I, thought, really I, thought, I thought the other two would be higher. Alexa, tell me the IMDb rating for Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels has an IMDb rating of 8.2 out of 10. So Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels comes out on top in IMDb world, which surprises me, but I suppose it is a generally well-loved movie, especially by our generation who uses the internet. I've been vindicated by the talking <laughs> By the people. <laughs> <laughs> the people have got your back. So the end results are that Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Layer Cake both have eight points each. And at the top, Eastern Promises has 10 points. Congratulations, Clarice and David Cronenberg. You are the winner of the prestigious Screen Test Award. Um, I wish that we could have a fight for it. Let's not do that. (laughs) Just just in the eye. I don't want to get knifed today. (laughs) Here you are. I'll gently just pass it to you. There you are. (laughs) Anybody you'd like to thank? Um, Viggo Mortensen. Just good job. Oh, this movie... (laughs) great <laughs> and um excited for you to work with david cronenberg again see you at the movies Viggo monson i'm sure he's watching congratulations to eastern promises and to david cronenberg and to clarice for showing that crime does indeed pay <laughs> if only when you win the screen test award don't forget that you can check out loads of great british gangster movies over on prime video right now including the gentleman legend and football factory and make sure you tell us what your favorite is in the comments below and thank you so much to kieran for joining us on this episode thank you for having me thank you for being here and thank you for watching genuinely we appreciate it now go away bye <laughs> <laughs>